Yes, my Bundle Fluff family, welcome back for yet another episode. Uh, this is episode 46 to be precise. My name is Fevzi Hussein, and you're listening to Bandofla. Right, this episode, we're going to go into some subjects that really, really, really irritate me. In fact, I'm back to my bad language, I'm afraid, because I am really pissed off. I'm really fucked off because this there's so much shit going on around the world, and I can't see a government that's stepping up to the plate. Um, if anything, they're mashing things up even worse. They, their decision-making is awful. Anyway, so I'm going to touch on uh, do a bit on Ukraine because it's obviously still um, big news. I can't seem to get away um, from a lot of those desperate scenes. The brilliant news, I think everyone needed a lift uh, around Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe, who was finally... Uh, released from uh, Iran. She's reunited with uh, her husband, Richard, and her daughter, Gabriela, after six years. Um, brilliant news. Probably the best news of, of the year so far. Uh, and we're also going to touch on the case which has come um, to light in the last few days regarding child Q um, and the shocking, absolutely shocking um, events that are emerging around the Metropolitan Police again. Um, and uh, you do wonder with, with who's making these decisions um, where a young black um, schoolgirl was strip-searched in a classroom in Hackney. Um, I'm, not kid, I, I'm not kidding you. That it's, it's all in the news. Um, people abroad will be listening to this thinking, what the, f I'm not kidding you. Anyway, we're going to come on to that because um, it's, it's really sending shockwaves uh, to a lot of parents, especially in, in the London area. So, um, like I said, I am in a, a bit of a, a, a foul mood. Um, and that is because in the last 24 hours, there's been some utterly scandalous developments um, where 800 workers, uh, 800 P&O ferry workers actually, uh, have been made redundant by the P&O um, CEO, Chief Executive Officer, sacked on the spot, no notice, uh, no indication, no consultation with the unions. And this was done via a message on the TV screen. It showed the workers sitting in their staff, can what looked like their staff canteen. And um, the, oh, I don't want to swear, uh, but the CEO uh, basically said, I'm sorry, you're all redundant with immediate effect. Go and piss off, effectively. Um, unbelievable. I, I, honestly, in, in all my years as uh, someone who's been involved in trade unions, I've seen some really shit industrial relations in my time. Um, but that takes the uh, award for, uh, you know, outrageous um, behaviour by an employer. Um, our solidarity uh, on Pandofla is 100% with the RMT and Nautilus International Trade Unions, um, whose members are, are involved in this. It's their members who have been sacked. 800 uh, workers, 800 union members who have been sacked. 
it really is quite unprecedented. I don't recall anything like that uh, happening. And that is why I'm really wound up. Um, I don't, you know, this fire, fire and rehire bullshit, which, you know, we covered um, British gas and how they treated British gas engineers. You know, our show was um, solid in, in our support for those um, workers. And, and a lot of them ended up losing their jobs because of this bullshit fire and rehire policy. The government's got to throw it away in the, in the, in the scrap heap. You know, people can't... Um, ha- you don't have any job security if a company can get away with that. Um, so we touched on the British gas uh, situation and now, unfortunately, it's now happened again with P and O. Um, those British gas engineers, by the way, stood resolute, um, you know, to fight those detrimental changes to their terms and conditions. Um, and as I said, uh, hundreds ended up losing their jobs. So I'm going to, you know, the Tories are, are are all behind this. They can fix this like that, you know, with a drop of a hat if they want to. But the bottom line is they don't want to do that because they really don't give a shit about working people and employment rights. You know, they're quite happy for, you know, the fat cats to get fatter, um, for people to get even more stinking rich. They're... they're their modus operandi is clear for, for everyone to see. Um, look, I'm afraid I've broken my no swearing rule in this episode, so I might as well carry on. Um, but I think it is clear who is responsible for, for this scandal. Um, but I'm going to touch on this and, and some other issues later on in this podcast. But this issue with the PO needs a decent airing you know because uh Bundofla is is really really angry um and you know there's families who are wondering what next you know um where's the the money going to come from to pay their bills to pay their mortgages and everything else i i honestly don't know um you know it's difficult to put into words so anyway there was a, a report in the guardian newspaper on the pno 800 redundancies and the Guardian reported um, adding that employers are legally required to consult workers during a statutory notice period before making them redundant. Those of you who are up on your employment rights will know this. Um, it would appear um, by the reports that we've seen that PO did not do this. So trade unions believe uh, certainly the RMT and Nautilus International uh, believe that its actions are likely to be unlawful. So the uh, chair um, and head of employment law at a company called DMH Stallard, uh, Rusam Tatar, uh, I hope I said that correct, um, commented that for those staff who have been or about to be dismissed, um, uh, Rusam added that they will certainly have a claim for unfair dismissal, uh, adding that elements of employment law appear to have been wholly ignored. Quite strong words there. It's quite unequivocal. Um, This article can be found in The the Guardian if you want to read more. Um, It goes on to say, further employers wishing to make more than 100 redundancies must notify the business secretary, i.e. the government has to be notified at least 45 days uh, in advance of any uh, dismissals which might be planned 
by reason of redundancy. Just yesterday, which was Thursday, the 17th of March, um, the government was contacted, uh, number 10 Downing Street was contacted, and a spokesman for the Prime Minister said, uh, we have not been given any notice of these 800 redundancies. So effectively, failure to notify the Secretary of State um, would be a breach of the Trade Union and Labour Relations Consolidation Act of 1992. I think it's quite clear that the trade union movement is being poked to react uh, with these very provocative moves by, by these employers adopting fire and rehire tactics. Um, so to issue a, a redundancy without notice, if this is the case, as reported in The Guardian, sacking 800 workers is about, as I said, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty low in terms of industrial relations. Um, Bandofla's contacted both the RMT and Nautilus International uh, for information about any fighting fund appeals for these sacked workers. And I'm sure listeners um, tuning in are going to be quite shocked at how that's happened, literally at the drop of a hat. Um, and there's all those people that are going to be out of a job. So um, when we um, when we get information on that, we will certainly share that. So, uh, but we have to stand with them and let PO ferries know that what they've done is absolutely and completely unacceptable. Until this matter is resolved, I think listeners should think twice um, before using PO ferries. Um, in fact, what am I talking about? Don't think twice. Just don't fucking use them. They, that's how they deserve to be treated. Um, do not use PO ferries. They don't respect their workforce, so don't give them your money. It's as simple as that. So when we get the info on how uh, donations can be made to both help the workers and also express solidarity, we will share this with you, okay? So moving on to international um, news. Um, the Ukraine-Russia war is still dominating headlines. It's everyone is, who sees the news uh, can't, you know, you can't help but see these deeply upsetting scenes that we're, we're seeing on our TV on, on the morning breakfast news every day. You go home from work, it's on the news, you see it. Um, and I think it's as upsetting as it is, I, I do. I do believe that, and I've said this before, our government has been its usual, and this is the UK Conservative government, it's been its usual incompetent self when trying to put a plan in for the Ukrainian refugees to come to the UK. They've had people, news reporters over in northern France, in Calais, um, and on one, you know, it, in one report you hear Liz Truss um, and other Ministers saying, yeah, we've got our people out in Europe who are, you know, dealing with these queries, helping to deal with the admin. Um, and GMTV goes out and there's, there's no, there's, there ain't a dicky bird there. There's no one there. So it does look like it's more, more lies. At the moment, we're over three weeks into the war 
Uh, and uh, there's hardly any Ukrainian refugees that have come into the UK. I don't know what the latest figure is with Poland um, and other countries, but I know Poland is probably approaching close to 2 million refugees. Um, so it's more bullshit from, from this British government. You know, it's, it's just, its position is, um, is not good. Uh, and it just shows what, uh, you know, how, how capable they are not. Um, there's also the issue of double standards on, on refugees. Um, I'm sure that um, there was uh, an issue, um, well, certainly I, I heard Priti Patel in Parliament say that Ukrainian refugees coming over will have access to uh, UK benefits and they will be able to work. Um, so I was I saw that and I thought, wow, that's really, you know, that is good news. That's that's wonderful news. Um, but I still kind of scratched my head because I was thinking, these aren't the same privileges that are extended to other refugees. So there's a blatant class system being applied here. So people who are coming on those really dangerous boats in the channel, you know, who happen to have darker skin, the vast majority, if not all of them, who happen to, many happen to be uh, Muslim, they are not being afforded these uh, privileges. And you can't divide and rule when you have an issue around people seeking asylum. They all should be treated equally. And I think that um, if this is true, please, someone, if I'm wrong, get in touch with us and and correct me, but I'm I'm pretty sure I saw Pretty Patel um, saying this just a, a, a few days ago. Now, one of my uh, sources of inspiration um, at the moment is following certain Irish um, MPs and MEPs, Claire Daly MEP being one of them. Um, she has made some absolutely barnstorming. Uh, brilliant interventions in, in, Irish, uh, in the Irish Parliament, I believe also in, in the EU, in Brussels, um, and supported really well by many of her socialist um, Irish colleagues. And they have been highlighting exactly what I am saying now when we talk about the double standards. Now, one issue that I'm going to touch on now is yet another uh, series of double standards. So these double standards are in relation to um, the alleged war crimes that the Ukrainian government and British government and many other governments around the world are citing um, that the Russian army and the Russian prime minister may, have, uh, may be responsible for committing. Um, and the reason, the reason cited by the media and the International Criminal Court is apparently looking at this, is that civilian areas are being bombed. Hello. When I saw that, I was like, okay, if that's a criteria for war crimes, um, and if there's bombs going into civilian areas in the Ukraine, then that probably does meet the criteria if that is the criteria i'm not an expert on that but i'm just going by what i heard on the news but then i thought 
man, what are the people in like Syria thinking? What are the people in Mali thinking? What are the people in Yemen thinking? You know, look at Syria and what Assad and, and Putin did to those cities. There were cities, civilian areas, cities like Aleppo, cities like Idlib, cities like Homs, flattened, bombed, bombed the fuck out of. And I, I, I don't know, where's the conversation around war crimes? Um, again, to me, this smacks of outrageous double standards and I'm sick of it. I, 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 I'm really angry and frustrated at the, the fairness of how things are in this world. And I know um, it's, it's almost the way of the world. And, you know, how, how do we change it? That's the, the million dollar question. Um, if I knew that, I would tell everyone the number for the lottery draw at the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, if, if, if it is a war crime to bomb civilian areas, then, you know, Palestine, uh, even uh, in, in, when Israel is, is bombed as well by the indiscriminate um, missiles, um, but the, the people of Palestine, the people of Yemen, Syria, where is, um, where's the narrative that supports trying to hold people responsible for those outrageous acts against civilian people? So I'll leave you with that thought um, and let me know what you think. If you think I'm, I'm talking sense or if you think I'm talking crap, <laughs> um, I'll be interested to hear. Bandoflo would welcome your comments. So I touched on Nazanin earlier on, um, and I think listeners will agree that uh, this is probably the best news story um, to come out in 2022, especially on the back of everything that everyone's been dealing with. Um, Nazanin, Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe is finally back in the UK um, and has been reunited with her daughter Gabriella and her husband Richard. There's been some really heartwarming photos where uh, Nazanin and her daughter have been making their pizza together. Um, and, you know, they're just beginning to um, have those special moments that they've missed out on for the last six years. So Nazanin, Nazanin was held in Iran for six years. Um, and her husband, Richard, was a brilliant campaigner, absolutely brilliant. Um, but I, I think that, and a lot of people have been expressing this sentiment on social media that, um, you know, being held in, in, in Iran for six years, um, it, it should have never, ever been anywhere near that amount of time that she was uh, held. Um, but again, unfortunately, um, it's well documented. There were issues, comments, which were made by, I think, uh, one even from the Prime Minister at the time. Um, and there's the issue of the uh, £400 million debt that the UK government owed to Iran. Um, so it is about if the will is there, they could have, uh, the British government could have freed Nazanin many uh, years earlier, in my humble opinion. So 
I'm afraid the government made sure that she was in, held in uh, detention in Iran for much longer than she needed to be. So that 400 million uh, debt has now apparently been paid and that was what has secured her, her release by the look of things. So um, like I said, I think Richard was, has been a fantastic campaigner. He was out on Whitehall on hunger strike not that long ago, uh, and he made sure that Nazanin's name was always in the public eye and always on the radar of Westminster. So on to the cost of living crisis now. Um, so my tension creeps up, my frustration creeps up. We've been covering the uh, rising cost of living, um, petrol, uh, and gas electric prices are still going up in a, a, a incredible uh, sharp increases that we're, we're seeing. Um, customers have been, you know, consumers have been contacting our podcast um, and certainly a, a couple of cases which I'll share with um, listeners is that um, one customer from EDF, and there was another customer from Octopus, um, their tariffs, their new tariffs, have gone from paying £150 per month to over £450 a month. £450 a fucking month. What the fuck? It's a fucking mortgage. It's another mortgage. How? People are people are struggling now, um, and it's well, how are they going to pay that? You know, we talked about people choosing between heating and eating. Uh, you know, that choice is is already being being made by so many people. Diesel's hitting two pound a liter. You know, if you've got a, an engine that's holds fifty liters, that's going to cost you a ton. It's going to cost you a hundred pounds every time you fill up, you know, what, I don't know. I just don't get it. Um, I think, you know, all the while this is going on, the government shirking its responsibilities, cooking up really weak, pathetic plans, which don't really offer any real support to families who are struggling, um, you know, giving them a, a compulsory loan that they have to pay back. You know, what there's, um, I don't know, it's, it's very, very um, frustrating seeing this level of um, indignity being suffered by uh, the great British public. One listener contacted me and said uh, she's dreading finding out what her new uh, monthly payment will be. Uh, she does work. She works part time. And she's got two young uh, children, two kids. Um, they're already avoiding putting the heating on. I mean, weather's picked up today, but it's still cold. It's still cold at night. Um, so they're not heating their home. This is tragic stuff. She doesn't use her car because she can't afford the petrol. Um, and the weekly visits to the food bank are... Um, a necessity in her own words. Um, 
the increase in the Bank of England base rate as well will see her mortgage rise. And this is going to pile on the pressure even more. And if you remember in the last episode, the head of the Bank of England was telling people, you know, not to push for a, a pay rise in line with inflation. This is from someone who's earning over half a million pounds a year. This is what I'm talking about. This is what state this country is in. There's the haves who are telling the haves not to pipe down and just get by with what you're on. It reminds me of the old Turkish proverb, which I have shared on our Twitter page. I think it's a brilliant proverb. There was a forest which was shrinking. Every day, the trees were being cut down. Uh, and the, the forest trees were really angry with the axe. And the axe spoke to the trees and said, look, my handle is made from wood. I'm one of you. So therefore, please don't be angry with me. We're in this together. So the trees, you know, accepted that the axe was doing something justified and cutting down the trees. Um, it's, it's a great proverb. And I, I think it, it sums up where we are with this British government. Um, there's still some working class people that are voting conservative. I, I don't get that. I really don't get that. Um, oh, I don't know. So, yeah, there was another listener that said their new tariff uh, pricing plan was going to go up from 160 for dual fuel to over 450 pounds a month. So this means that family is going to be paying around 5,000 pounds a year for their home to heat their home and to cook their food as if they can afford to do that. So my question to you listeners, and again, for everyone listening abroad, this is the reality here in the UK. My question to the great British public is this, at what point do we as the public say, I've had enough? You know, can we as a collective be dragged any lower in terms of our own dignity? We've got a Chancellor of the Exchequer in Rishi Sunak, who is one of the richest uh, people in, in the United Kingdom. I don't know what his actual uh, wealth is, but he is one of the richest people in the UK. And he's kind of overseeing all these, um, it's overseeing the economy and the, you know, people are on the floor. It's, it, it's, it's scandalous. It really is an utter scandal. Uh, maybe one day we'll wake up and, and realise uh, what's going on. So um, I haven't even gone into Partygate yet. Um, you know, hasn't all that gone really quiet? Um, I bet Sue Gray can probably start going into a local supermarket and they won't recognise her because no one is talking about Partygate. I mean, does Boris think that when everyone was obeying the rules, not going to see their loved ones in hospital who are dying or not being able to go to um, the graveyard, to the graves when their loved ones were being buried. Do you think, Boris, that people have forgotten? Do you think that they're stupid? Um, you know, because 
you know, Partygate isn't in the news anymore and it's all gone quiet. But I can tell you something, the British people have not forgotten how you have let them down again and again. Your time will come, Boris. You will uh, fall from grace and that's going to be one massive fucking fall. That time will come. Ah, right. I think I'm going to have to do some meditation at the end of this. This is this isn't good for my blood pressure. Um, so yeah, in relation to the uh, fuel, you know, there's the, the, there's other EU countries that are have put caps on the fuel increases, four percent cap. Um, you know, but again, you know, we've we haven't done anything. We've cooked up these stupid loan plans. Um, and people are are going to really, really, they are feeling the pinch. Um, so I think what um, what I would say that on the parties that take has have taken place in Downing Street, Boris has to face the music, um, and the public will demand justice in relation to the lies and for MPs. Uh, to finally own up uh, to thinking that they genuinely believed that they were above the law. No one is above the law. So just coming back to the Ukraine-Russia war, we've seen a huge fake news war narrative building momentum. Um, and both sides, I think, are, are making completely conflicting claims. And... I'll be honest with you, I, I find it difficult to know what to believe and what to dismiss. What we do know, however, is that Russian oligarchs, oligarch, I can't even say that word, um, have been ploughing stupid amounts, huge amounts of money into the uh, Conservative Party. And surely the Prime Minister will have uh, some even more difficult questions if he thought Partygate uh, was tough. Um, there is more difficult questions to come. The public want to know what on earth is going on, especially with this whole Ukraine uh, Russia fiasco and the alleged um, involvement, if you can say that, um, in relation to how Brexit was um, done. Because there's been all sorts of reports which indicate that the hand of uh, Putin and Russia was also heavily involved in that process. So if you haven't seen it yet, the Line of Duty, which is a brilliant drama on BBC, um, they've done a spoof masterclass uh, and it's produced by, led by donkeys. Um, they've just done another one um, and it really is worth uh, a look. It's all focusing on the Russian money aspect. Um, there's a, a really good panorama documentary as well. Um, I do find it a bit, um, I, I understand some of the concerns, uh, you know, when you have a Tory government on one hand dealing with Putin and Russia and now who have cut all links and issuing sanctions, rightly so. And then Boris flies out to Saudi Arabia Um to try and tie up some deals for oil and God knows whatever else probably sold 
another billion pounds worth of arms so that the Saudis can carry on bombing the fuck out of the poor Yemeni people. Um, but this is a country that executed 81 people. It's their biggest ever mass execution since the 80s. Uh, 81 people were executed. Um, and you just shake your head that our prime minister is even mixing with, um, you know, a country that operates those those measures. Um, but I guess Boris doesn't care, does he? So, um, but yeah, that um, line of duty spoof, the first one I think had about six or seven million hits and rising. This one is going to hit 10 million. No, no trouble at all. So, right, I'm going to, I want to touch on the issue that I mentioned right at the beginning, which is um, the story which is literally just broken in the news concerning child Q. Um, now, this is about a, a black school girl in a school from Hackney, uh, and it's been revealed that she was uh, strip searched in her classroom in the school. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I can't quite get my head around how that was even, how, how that got into that position, how that was allowed to happen. Um, I spoke to uh, a couple of friends of mine who work as teachers. Um, I mean, this incident happened about two years ago, but has only just hit the news now. And my teaching friends were incredulous that from a safeguarding point of view, this was even, it even began to materialize to, to happen. Um, and I, you know, it's, the details are are really disturbing, and I, there's there's a I think there's a demonstration outside Hackney Police Station at the weekend, which Bandofra is going to try and get to. Um, the 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 reports really are upsetting, and I, I think that I believe Diane Abbott, the MP for Hackney, has written to the borough commander, the head of the, the top police officer in Hackney, and asked for urgent answers into what's happened, how it happened, and, you know, understanding, you know, what led to that and, and a commitment to get a commitment that it can't happen again. It's, you know, it's, it's just shocking. It's shocking. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of friends in, in the police as well. I used to work for the Metropolitan Police. I had two two or three really enjoyable years there. There's a number of police officers who do amazing work, um, but you just see some of the things that are going on. You know, the murder of Sarah Everard, and it turned out to be a, a serving police officer. You know, the two sisters who were killed on the common and police officers who took selfies with their uh, dead bodies in, in the background. There's other police officers who are up on um, all sorts of uh, charges um, linked to um, sexual assault. You know, I know that they, the police employ a lot of people and, you know, the vast majority are doing an amazing job. But these cases have rocked the confidence of the general public uh, to its core. 
um, and especially for those black uh, communities, you know, having the trust and confidence of those communities are key. And I'm afraid that it's, um, I can't say that, you know, the police have, have our confidence. Um, I honestly can't say that. I think that a lot of work needs to be done for, for that to be, um, you know, built up again, especially after everything that's happened after Stephen Lawrence, you know, after Ricky Real, um, you know, these are, these are, are very dark times for the Metropolitan Police and, and Cressida Dick, Commissioner Cressida Dick was recently relieved of her duties and the Mayor Sadiq Khan has to make sure that he gets it right with this appointment um, and also that there's a real change in culture in the Metropolitan Police because it's really not good enough. Things have got to change so, all right, lovely listeners, um, it's been, this has been quite deep, this uh, episode. We've gone into lots of um, difficult subjects. Um, thank you uh, for coming um, and listening, clicking on Bandofla and listening to me. I think, I think I'm going to need to play that clip where we do some breathing exercises. I said I was going to do... Um, a bit of meditation I will but I want to share something with you all and some of some of my listeners will probably know where this is going um so yes when you've got that pent-up pressure and anxiety um it's good to try and get that out of the the system so I'm going to leave you with uh, a clip which will play as soon as I uh, stop this um, this part of the episode. So until next time, please keep safe. Um, there's still issues with COVID. I heard there was uh, something in a region of 200,000 plus cases, um, and there's a new a new Omicron variant doing the rounds. But again, our brilliant government aren't doing any daily briefings. It's um, it's all being brushed under the carpet. Uh, over a thousand people have died in the last seven days in the UK from COVID, but hey-ho, Boris and the Tories don't really care, do they? Um, you can follow Bandofla on Twitter at um, underscore Bandofla, B-A-N-D-O-F-L-A. You, e you can email me via podcast Bandofla at gmail.com and if you want to contact me direct <clears throat> via a voice message go to the anchor page uh, where you'll have 60 seconds to say what you want to say in relation to any of our shows and if there's any any really good comments we'll play them live on on air so i'm your host fevzi hussein and you've been listening to bandofla now have a listen to that breathing technique expert who will follow after this short interlude. Love and peace. Many of us are finding uh, life a bit of a struggle at the moment. It's very easy for work, relationships, money matters, etc. to get on top of you. 
but you have to find time to let go of your stress. Please, you have to. It's not good for you to carry that stress around. Your muscles are tight, you know. Have you ever thought about breathing techniques? You know, the deep breathing, uh, you know, I, I came across one which is really, really good. Um, and I'm going to share it with you now. Um, so have a listen to this. All right, so today I'm going to be teaching you some breathing techniques to relieve stress. Take a deep breath in and out. Ah! And it makes you feel, <laughs> you feel fucking great. <laughs> okay, that's uh, a bit of a... Oh God, I think that's hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, let, let's hear that technique again, just in case someone, um, what, someone missed how brilliantly effective it is. All right, so today I'm going to be teaching you some breathing techniques to relieve stress. Take a deep breath in and out. Ah! And it makes you feel fucking great. <laughs> well. Um, I guess that's one way to relieve stress. Um, it works for me. <laughs>